welcome to No Page Unturned, the podcast where Christina, Steph, and myself, Josh, go in-depth discussing books, mainly focusing on those written by BIPOC and LGBTQ plus authors. You don't have to read along with us, but be warned, there will be spoilers ahead. Welcome back, everyone. You are probably listening to this continuously, which, yeah. thank you. But <laughs> if you're not, if you're somehow with us in real time, like the ghost who lives in my apartment's boiler, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you'll know that it's been quite the hiatus for us. We basically took December off. Yeah, because the last one we did was Kaiju, and that was like yeah. the beginning of December. <laughs> mm, yeah. yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I don't remember my own name. Um, I've had the last two weeks off, uh, so I have basically just, like, sunk into a puddle of my own worst impulses. I definitely, like, I I was saying to you guys before we started recording that I thought I would have so much time over the holidays to read these chapters and stuff, and then I read the last six of them, like, 20 minutes before we started (laughs) this, so I don't have notes, but it was really nice to just, like, sink back into the lovely world of A Chorus of Dragons. Like, it it was exciting and comforting. And, uh, y'all, these books are good. <laughs> turns out, turns out. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, and Steph, lest you be alone in that, I definitely read most of these chapters this morning. It's just yes. that I get up earlier than you do. Yes. <laughs> so Josh is our savior this episode. <laughs> Woo! Josh took notes. Mm-hmm. Josh is on top of things. Yeah, it's because Josh Sorry, didn't Josh. get vacation. Josh had to work like a normal person, and so yeah. he was like, no slacking. Yeah, podcast amnesia is a real thing, but also Christmas amnesia yeah. is a real thing. Holiday amnesia is a real thing, mm-hmm. where oh, you just like go through December and then forget what your life is like oh, outside yeah. of the holidays. I haven't known what day it is for the past like week and a half. My boss... Uh, texted me to, to remind me that I have to go to work tomorrow morning. So was, um, it was cruel but necessary. Yeah, I, I'm I like suppose. only seventy five percent convinced that I need to. Some people <laughs> probably would forget. I yeah, I don't know why she thinks it's me. She's not wrong, but I'm gonna be <laughs> offended nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's fine. But yeah, name of all things, so we're on our third section, uh, which would be chapters. 17 through 24, eight chapter segments. Josh is laughing at us right now because we don't know things. <laughs> no, there was a hesitation <laughs> when Christina said the chapters. And it was like, oh no, she's going oh, to say the wrong chapters or I read the wrong chapters. I'm like, oh no. Whether those chapters are right or not, those are the ones we all read. <laughs> so there you go. Because there were a couple times during Name of... Um, God, now I lost the name of the first we're book in my head. Oh, the Rune of, Rune of Kings? Rune of Kings! <laughs> there was a couple times just with about... the Rune of Kings where <laughs> oh I read God. the wrong chapters or the wrong amount of yeah. chapters and was like, uh-oh, did I do it again? <laughs> oh, see, I thought you were laughing because I just can't count, which is fair. Hmm, same. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, wait, we do eight chapters a time, but it's it's offset by one. Is it one? There was a lot of thought process that hmm. went into this. Um... I have a graduate degree. <laughs> this is humiliating. Someone else oh. told me I was smart, and I, fool that I am, believed them. 
I mean, there is such a thing as dumb, smart people. And I think we might be all, all of us be that. In the, I think all of us yeah. also live in the city of Boston are that <laughs> requirement to get the in. The mecca of like, dumb, smart people. Oh, yeah. Just like, how many languages do you speak? Well, none, but I can read a bunch of them about dead people who said <laughs> other stuff in them. I was like, great, you're in. Yeah. <laughs> can you communicate your need for food? No. Can you count? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so 17, diving in. Uh, we, le- we learn that Janelle is, in fact, not married to Therese. And that oh, right. <laughs> See, this is what I really like about this book. The chapters in between where Kieran and Talon are interacting in Road of Kings mm-hmm. are very brief. But I really like the way they do the the bar scene in this. Oh, yeah. Where they, like, fill in little uh, blanks of information that... But it's, like, at a sort of casual, or as casual as you can be when you're uh, frozen into a bar. Yeah, I think these are, like, my favorite interstitials in the whole series. They're fun. Like, they're just plain fun a lot of the time. And you also get, like, weird little character moments and... Uh, you know, it's like a bottle episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, it, it is, is. like a bottle so, yeah. so exactly you like get that. little things like, you know, Nineveh's talking about having sex with Mithros and Dorna, like, stealing everybody's money and drinking a bunch of uh, rice liquor with Star. It's certainly the most lighthearted and fun. I don't know if yeah. it's my favorite, but, mm-hmm. like, it's, not, it's certainly an improvement over the last book where the interstitials are all... Uh, Kieran being like, well, I'm going to die soon. Yeah. And Talon being like, ha ha. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, talking to this rock. <laughs> yes. Talking to yeah. this rock. Um, so, yeah, I like those parts. But um, working. Well, what, what do people like about the these chapters? Josh, I know you liked. You had a good point on Twitter and I was like, shit, save it. I don't remember what I said, but. Uh... I think you said like the, there's a lot of like especially in the chapters i think like 20 to 24 like there's a lot of world stuff like important like stuff that is going to echo on well there's also a lot of world stuff that's not important like the uh galava's turning of the leaves uh Mm. ceremony where people can uh ask galava to put their souls into the bodies that they want and in a you know a time where trans rights is a very important issue, I feel like those chapters will really hit home for a lot of people. It's a really it's a really nice subtle. I always like it when books don't give you a chance to argue. Like I'm so sick of the like let's have both sides. Like mm. no, no. This is not only is this normal. We're gonna look funny at anybody who says that it's not. Normal. Yeah, yeah. We get it's so look- normal. It's like leaves turning different colors. Yeah. Right. We get a. I don't want to. I don't want to jump too far into that because I want to discuss that part okay. further. Because Cone and uh, Janelle have a discussion about it, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like these chapters. Like I feel like when we started, I said the thing that I like is about this book, and where you can compare it to the first book is Janelle has where uh, Kieran has a naivete about um, the Koros Empire in the first book. Janelle has a naivete about Jorad politics mm. and the like idyllic version of it in this book. But here you can see like the um 
Like, Cohen is almost like a placeholder for Kieran in the first book, where he has his own... Hmm, I don't know, I even tell you about Koros. Like, this chapter talks about the... 17 talks about the the blood of Joras and why, Mm -hmm. you know, how sorcerers can not be witches in Jorat, where uh, when Emperor Kandor saves Jorat from the the god kings, he asked for their best sorcerer, who was a guy named Joras, which the country is named after. And so anybody, he goes back to Kor and with all his children and family. And so now... If you're blood of Joras, it means you had Joras blood at one point, or you're descended from the line, and that means it's okay for you to be a, a sorcerer in Jorat. And then, like, while Dorna is explaining this, Cohen uh, has to, you know, add his little remark that Jorat is a part of the Koros Empire. We're all Koros. Mm. And Dorna's like, no, that's not the point. <laughs> You're Koros. We're Jortees. Like, like, it's different. We're a country basically owned by Koros. And it, she has to, like, explain that to Cone. But then Janelle, later on, you know, she's trying to apply her politics to the Mayor Cory that are in trouble. And Cone mm-hmm. is, like, goes to heal them anyway and so you see you know both sides of them and you have to like i always have to remember that janelle is 16 here and i'm pretty sure cone is pretty young as well so i always have to remember that when thinking about what their ideologies are and then what i love about dorna explaining the the blood of koros like then immediately cone is poking holes in it and Dorna's like, I didn't say I believed it. This is just <laughs> what we do. Right. Yeah. I love Dorna. She's so practical. And I love that it's just nonsensical enough to make complete sense Yeah. as a culture. Like, when you examine anybody's culture, there are a lot of things that are like, well, why do you do it that way? It's like, I don't know. So the whole blood of Joras. Like, I, I feel like a lot of world building goes too far. Uh, and it's kind of like, well, this happened because this happened. And it's all perfectly logical. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, really, people are just kind of like, well, I didn't like that guy. And so now forever we hate that guy. Right. Like, actual cultures have weird loopholes and inconsistencies to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is this chapter is also where we start to see, like, the... Like, we're starting to put together uh, Senere and Relifar plan. Because they happen upon that village that Ionaric has just frozen over and everybody has basically been frozen and like he iron arc is still there and is starting to like oh here's another another town that's been frozen and i think that like oh if cold water was the town that this happened to before and now and this is like the you know the the chapters we read before this with um barcini banner that was like a lot of setup but now this is like the, this is where we're getting to the juicy parts. Yeah, there's a lot of movement in this set of chapters. Like we start out in Barcini Banner still, and like we go all the way up, like Coldwater, Taiga Pass, into a train, 
and then like multiple locations around a tree. Like we pretty much move a location every chapter mm-hmm. here. This I remember like this was the part of the book when I was reading it the first time where I was very confused and it, because it does move really fast all of a sudden and like I was still a little confused this time just because like a lot of it relies on you remembering like who the Markreve of whatever is and who the mm-hmm. Baron of X is and the the Count of Y is and how it all fits together. So like it, it it's kind of confusing. I do find these chapters kind of confusing just because it's like it's very go 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 and there's a lot of locations and people and you need to remember who they are and how they fit into everything. Yeah, and on top of that, they're all they all have their own agendas. Yeah. So whatever they're like you also have to remember like what they're angling for it and how it interacts with how the main party is uh operating mm-hmm. so yeah there, there's a lot going on and it's also um i was very grateful to have read this book specifically for a second time because mm-hmm. a lot of the betrayals and like things that come up later in the book makes so much more sense when yeah. you read it the second time ah <laughs> oh, so um but can we talk about Atrini for a second? Or Atrine? The city? Atrine? Atrini? Atrini. Atrini. That's how they say it on the audiobook. That makes sense. It sounds like a Pokemon. Oh. <laughs> it probably is. There's like I choose 10, you! Cast horse murder! <laughs> Alternatively, murder horse. I really murder love that the horse. fire bloods are. Oh are, man. Are Next time I play Pokemon, I'm naming a Ponyta Janelle. Yes! Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Has to be shiny though. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, Atrini was built in a day by Atrin Candor. What? I love it. Like, and I think, yeah, what? It's it's a great. Um, it it works great on its own. It's like this beautiful city, and it's like it's a city big enough to have a battlefield in it on the in the middle of a giant yeah. waterfall between two parts like just beside a lake so it's like the dopest setting you can imagine yes but it's also if you read a lot of fantasy it is a hilarious take on like every single horse related like thing uh because we were talking about it before like there are elements of helms deep in there where and those will come up later but there's also have either of you read the belgariad or the Malarian, yeah. david eddings okay we won't go into david eddings person um is he problematic human. yeah okay. capital p problematic but um mm. he, he this is like an ode to their horse lords because they're like yeah we only have one city we we're just we're, we're, he's cribbed it from the mongols they just lived in tents mm. and okay. they wandered with their herds um and we have a city everyone wants to attack it because it's our only city it's just a giant trap like this is word okay. for word just cribbed from it, and it, but like in a way that's like such a great homage. It's like, yeah, why would horse people want a city? They wouldn't. Yeah. So anyway, that's my that's my two cents. Mm. Um, Something that really struck me about Atrini is is yeah, like the idea that like the power of the emperor is so strong that he could like he could have built this city, I guess, with magic out of almost nothing in a day. Mm-hmm. Like, and that that might be apocryphal, you know, that might be like a bit of a legend, but I feel like we, we haven't really seen the emperor go ham yet because mm-hmm. we really just saw Sandus in the last book 
doing his like low key man of the people thing. And we haven't seen Tyanso since she became emperor. So like the idea that like the emperor could just do something like that is kind of terrifying. And like Cone even like comments later, like there's really good plumbing and sewage in a treaty. Yeah. And like, he's, he's wondering, he's like, is somebody from whatever house controls the stuff? Are they coming out to maintain this? Or is this, this is still being magically maintained by Etrin Kandor's spell hundreds of years later. So yeah, yeah just the it, the sheer power of the emperor is kind of insane. Sandus coming from being a farmer kind of like makes him humble, mm. so he probably doesn't think to do stuff like this. Yeah. But probably had the capabilities to. Yeah. You also have to wonder as you get more and more into the world like they're like, "Wow, the magic of plumbing." And it's mm. just kind of like, "How much of this do you think is magic?" It's <laughs> actually just science like yeah. is it's not maybe it's not that he's like his magic is still there maintaining he just it, built it, functioning plumbing he, right yeah and they're on a waterfall so the water mm-hmm. pressure is aces yeah. So, yeah yeah that could be it actually <laughs> speaking speaking of atrini uh this bridge point where, where mm-hmm. chapters 18 and 19 where um i think this shows janelle's sort of naivete where it's like she remarks about all this. She's like giving it Cone and everybody information about Atrini. And then mm-hmm. I think it's Sir Baramon is like, oh, what's that smudge on the bridge? And she's surprised that people, that the city has like expanded to onto the bridge. And Cone is explaining like how cities get overpopulated and they have to spread. And then that Sir Baramon is like, when was the last time you were here? And she has to contend with, like, the fact that Jorat is changing. And I feel like she's un- a bit uncomfortable with change. And and she's, like, not- like now she's noticing, oh, I haven't been here since I was a child. Since mm-hmm. before the Hell yeah. March. Yeah, like, for somebody who's been through one of those most traumatic things somebody could ever go through, she is weirdly sheltered and naive, mm-hmm. yeah, about the world. Like, she you know, obviously went through this horrible Hellmarch experience, but then afterwards, like, more or less basically just grew up with a very small circle of people and like, yeah, doesn't necessarily really understand how the world works. Even She just knows like how it's supposed to work. Right. Oh, and when Cohen does, when he's explaining the city part and he's like, oh, this happens to cities everywhere. And Janelle has like, she says other cities, not mine, not my city. Mm. <laughs> Which is, oh, I'm looking at it now. She, I said with a dismissive snort. <laughs> like, Girl, you ain't been here since you were like six years old. Yeah, I like that the the, uh, the possessiveness is over. Janelle's really good with um, abstracts the same way Kieran is. Is like, well, I know what's supposed to happen. Um, and... That's why she struggles so much with being, like, demonic or tainted or partially demonic or something. Like, yeah. she can't fit herself into a category. Um, and Jorat is, like, for all their sexual and gender flexibility, is loves categories. Like, yeah. in Quar, everyone just kind of, like, bends the rules. But in Jorat, they're like, okay, no, we need to have, like, it works like this with this power balance mm-hmm. and this exception and this if you are this you will dress this way and do this 
and you can't do this. And, and it, we all know that it's flexible. But... Yeah. And if you're not Blood of Joros, then you're a witch. Right. No no middle ground. So, yeah. Drudd really likes absolutes. And mm-hmm. politically speaking, like, Quar is so far beyond them. It's just kind of like, take what you can get. But I love the uh, scene on the bridge with the Maricori, where you see Janelle's ideology versus Cones doing the right thing. And, like, she's thinking to herself, you know, Cone doesn't understand. He didn't understand how standing up for some random Maricori might be uh, perceived as an act of rebellion. And... There's a little bit of, you can see Janelle's flaws here because she remarks about how Maricori have a reputation for demon worship and black magic. And I'm like, oh man, Janelle, that's a little racist. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Like, and she, and I don't think she realizes she has a, at this point, she, at this point, she doesn't know that she has a Maricori with her in Nineveh. Yeah, I don't think and, they find that out until the second encounter, right? Yeah. Not not that being Maricori inclines different clans of Maricori to be any nicer to each other. Yeah, so. right? Well, and I, I don't know if we learn it in this book or in general, but I don't think it's a spoiler to say that Maricor isn't really a unified state. It is like a group of, it is a group of groups. Uh, and and the term Maricor and Maricori is thrown on them, but they don't all identify with each other at all. Mm-hmm. They they do go into the different clans. Yeah, in the yeah, in the confrontation bit. that happens in the sewers. <laughs> and I, I do like that Cohen is very passive, but uh, here is when he finally like gets actually mad yeah. at Janelle, mm-hmm. and like she knows that he's mad at her. Yeah, it's an interesting question, too, of the tension between being an outsider and criticizing a culture. It's like, well, Cone doesn't understand, and it is very possible that Janelle's right, that like if word of this gets back, mm-hmm. the Duke will take her to task, and she's already in a lot of trouble, or like someone else will use it to argue against her case, uh, which is already shaky, that she yeah. is like rebellious and a problem. Um, but at the same time, like... How does that balance with what Quan sees as like legitimately an injustice? Yeah, the right thing to do. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's it's a great scene because it's also that we implicitly understand what the right thing to do is, but neither of them are wrong exactly. Uh, it's yeah, it's complicated rather than absolute, um, which is something that we know Janelle struggles with anyway. Yeah. So. And here we're introduced um, Arith Malkosian, who is. Janelle's Marcreeve. He sucks. Mm-hmm. He's yes. a dick. Janelle's Marcreeve how... and the father of Orith, who is supposed to marry her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He also has another son, Ilvar, which he never like. Here's a, here's a here's a character that I I will say, oh that guy <laughs> never comes up. He never appears. Well, there's still one book I haven't read. That's that true. Yeah. But well, yeah. Janelle does say later on that Ilvar uh, is actually a good son. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm like, so, like, oh, he's good. He can't be in the book then. <laughs> that, would, that would be interesting. Yeah. But 
Well, you never know. He could be he could be Butterbelly too. <sighs> what if he is Butterbelly the whole time? <laughs> he thought that he was escaping the madness. Yes. He just got up. It's like the cabbage merchant and yes. Avatar. It just like keeps showing up. Like, he <laughs> keeps getting punched in the face. No. Um, so we got the, we've got the confrontation. A lot of confrontations. Yeah. And a lot of. Uh, again, with the absolutes, I I did not write any of this down. But like Janelle either doesn't do anything and runs away, or reacts with such so overkill. Hard. Um, that, uh, she's ashamed of herself after the fact, mm-hmm. which is, like, it's a good metaphor for, like, having anger issues. Um, yeah. but I, I found these chapters less narratively compelling, because it feels like there's a lot, there's a lot of doing, but there's not a lot of forward motion in the story. Mm. I don't think we're a lot close. we're not a lot closer to what Thane told her to do the last chapters, which is get the spear, we're not a lot closer to dealing with the situation in Jarat or Raylo's bar. Yeah. Janelle just crossed a lot of country and punched a lot of people. It's, a, it's also a lot of politics. It's a lot of politics. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of yeah. politics, a lot of info dropping. Like, we meet Father Zajira, and mm-hmm. so we, like, you know, we've heard about him up to now. Okay, great. Well, who is this guy? How does he fit in? What does he do? Okay, so we, we learn that. Uh, you know, we find, oh, we learn about the name of all things. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and that, also- that is what Senere has. There's a lot of gatekeepers in these chapters. Like, yeah. this is all Janelle overcoming a bunch of, like, passages she has to get through in order to achieve her goal. And it's not, like, yeah. at the goal yet. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, almost... This is the, like, okay, we deal, we dealed with Barsini, now we gotta deal with Janelle's baggage. Yeah. Like, this is where a lot of Janelle's baggage comes up. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, when you have, like the confrontation on the bridge and then in the sewers you have uh Orith showing up and then they end up at this other house and then she's not well and Father Zajira is there and uh yeah there's a lot there's a lot on Janelle she's not having a great trip nope yeah and then and then her conversation with Mithros where mm-hmm. he is like uh no that's a terrible idea Thane has sent you to die like mm-hmm. she, she doesn't really understand the concept of death because she's Thane. Uh, this you should not do that. That's a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. And so now she's like come all this way and gone through all this, basically only to find out. Well, fuck. What do I do now? Right. On to chapter nineteen. I like that. Um, Kieran is still uh, asking questions about stallions and mares. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Nineveh has a great. Um, she explains what mares are. Like he's like he's like so, stallions doesn't necessarily mean male and mares doesn't necessarily mean female and that's what we later find out is one of the biggest things with the the Marcreve. like he right. has this when back to the the Mithros part when they're in the temple and he kneels down next to Janelle in the temple praying and they're talking about like their situation. Janelle mm-hmm. can tell that for the Marcreve, stallions are male yeah. and mares are female. And this is when Janelle was like, our situation's never going to be resolved because of his ideology. Because he says to her, if you wanted Orif to see you as a stallion, you should have went to the turning of the leaves and changed. Because we we also find out that 
he went to the turning of the leaves and changed bodies mm-hmm. from female to male. Yeah. Along and, with, uh, and, Dorna. and so yeah. did Dorna. And back before they both turned, I think they were a couple. Yeah. Or they were together. It's something. It's very complicated. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't ultimately matter too much, but... um, It's, it's an interesting mm-hmm. dynamic. Yeah. Changing your body yeah. is like very accepted. It's... It's not seen as a source of shame by any means, but Chanel doesn't want to do it. Yeah. Right. Which is also yeah. not supposed yeah. to be a source of shame. Yeah. But then you have fuckheads uh, like this. Right. Yeah. Nineveh explains that mayors stay at home and see to the house. Yes, but they're also farmers, teachers, caretakers, organizers. And while stallions are the, you know, preening, prancing warriors. Uh, circling the herd in case the lions show up. Yeah. And it's also important to remember that this also doesn't have any bearing on sexual proclivities, mm, not right. preferences. So yeah. it's not just that... So they don't. They also don't care about your sexual desires, both in terms of you can be a mare who sleeps with mares, who runs with the herd, who runs with the, whatever. And you can also prefer, like, reins or saddle. You can be, like, mm-hmm. a sub or a dom. And so, like, all these things that we lump together, um, Lyons is doing, I think, a really good job of teasing out, like, okay, none of these things have to go together. So, yeah. you know, let's let's give them different names so we can at least refer to them differently. Yeah, and, like, Cone and Father Zajira have a good conversation about it later, where they again kind of drive home this idea that, like, like, sex and gender are not the same thing, and the only reason, and they even, like, she, you know, the, there's even a bit where they talk about the translation of Idora, and the Kuros kind of translate it to mean male, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean male. The Kuros just assumed that it meant male because they equate power with masculinity. Mm-hmm. And so, secretly, Quar has been totally fine with the idea of female rulers. They just didn't yeah. realize that they were. They because don't they were understand like, what that means. Yeah, so like, there's a stallion in charge of that uh, yeah. banner. And Quar is like, great, that's they fine. They just assume that it means a They just didn't realize man. that, right, they just didn't yeah. realize that it was someone whose sex was female. Yeah, like, there's a bit where, like, I guess they thought that Janelle was a boy for a while because she was referred yeah. to as a stallion and a count and everything. Mm-hmm. But, nope. What do you think about Janelle and Cone's conversation about what happened on the bridge? You want me to read it? I'll read sure. It. I have yeah. it sure, sure. So, uh, Cone says, what happened on the bridge? Silence greeted his outburst. Brother Cone had just decided Janelle wasn't going to pick up his drop sentence when she said, you're disappointed in me. And he says, I just don't understand. You interfered in Barsini. And I shouldn't have. Barsini is one of my banners. Uh, isn't one of my banners. Someone would argue I had no right. They wouldn't be wrong. And they go back and forth where Janelle uses this metaphor. You see children at play being supervised by a parent. One child is being picked on by the others and has started to cry. What do you do? Brother Cone responds, I tell the other children to stop picking on them. And what are you saying? And Cone doesn't understand. He's like, I'm saying children shouldn't be allowed to bully each other. And Janelle responds, no, you're saying the child needs someone to protect them. And you're also saying the parent isn't doing their job. And then Brother Cone is like, Count, that comparison falls apart when the parent clearly isn't doing their job. And then Janelle 
in the audiobook, this part is very interesting because this is when Janelle starts to get mad and like she starts to sound more aggressive. Are they not? How do you know? Maybe your hypothetical child is the bully and the parent has encouraged a role reversal as a lesson on empathy. Maybe the child is prone to crying because they like the sweets their parents give them to make them stop. Maybe the child needs to learn to push back against bullying because it's not like bullying stops once we reach adulthood. You've come into the middle of a situation and made a snap decision and further made a snap ju judgment on how to fix matters. All you've done is prove your arrogance. And then Cone's like, arrogance? And Janelle says, is there not an arrogance in humility, an arrogance in healing and good deeds? Don't you know, know in your heart, your pacifism and good works make you a better person than someone like Diedrich, someone like me? And he's like, Diedrich was a demon. And then Janelle's like, I'm a demon. And at this point in the audiobook, Janelle's starting to sound a little manic. Uh, like, her anger is sort of getting a little bit out of control. Or she's starting to lose her point. And Janelle's like, I agreed a terrible event happened on the bridge, but if I had interfered, I would have proclaimed I knew better than the person in charge, Duke Chun. And Brother Cohn goes, that analogy only works when you're talking about Jorites. The Duke isn't affording the Maricori the same rights your people take for granted. And then that's when the conversation basically stops. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, it's like, they both have points. They absolutely do. Like, you know, Cone has walked into a situation where he doesn't have the context and has decided what is right now The you know, obviously like a man being killed in the street is, uh, it's, I feel like it's pretty obvious, like what the wrong way is yeah. there. Um, but like, yeah, he has a point too. It's like, well, the Maricori don't, aren't, given treated like Jorates anyways so why would they fall under this Jorates notion of Edora and Thora and, and all that like mm. it's yeah yeah in the metaphor that Janelle uses the Maricori are basically random orphans that yeah. are getting bullied not mm -hmm. ones being watched by a parent yeah nobody is looking out for them she is right that that like on principle jumping into a situation and assuming that you can fix yeah. it can be extremely problematic but She's wrong in the sense that, like, you have the... I, I, I do believe you have the right to intervene if someone's life is at risk, you know, regardless mm -hmm. of what that context is, just because I don't, I don't think there's a moral problem with ending violence. Yeah, like, right. the value uh, of a human life should mm -hmm. outweigh cultural notions about power and, like who's protecting who and what that means. Yeah. And I feel like part of this book is like this entire book's like thing is Janelle learning where that line is. Mm. But they use, they use the metaphor of children. And so if you take that a little bit further, you know, Janelle is essentially arguing this is state sanctioned violence mm. because everything is the state. Right. Everyone falls under Idora or Thudaje, like, everyone has it, everyone owes it, and so whoever's involved is necessarily the person who should be involved. And Kona's saying, you're letting the state execute children, yeah. <laughs> is what you're doing. Um, so I, I think the logical consequences there are also interesting, because they they do acknowledge, like, 
what happens in Jorat, at least everyone in Jorat understands that there are political dimensions to it. Like in Quar, it didn't, like, it essentially didn't matter what happened to slaves because they didn't count as political mm-hmm. entities. Right. They were yeah. property. Yeah. Everyone in Jorat essentially should be a person. Um, and Kona's saying, yeah, but you're not treating them like people. Yeah. And Janelle is saying, I am treating like, them like people. That's why I'm not getting involved. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then he, and then, it. yeah. And then he's pointing out, he's like, well, just because you're treating this, them like people doesn't mean the rest of exactly. the Jortis yeah. are. Like, it's the, it's, like, I think it, it comes across in the book for sure, but it's interesting, like, the way the audiobook voice change, like, to make mm-hmm. her sound, like, a little more frustrated, it sounds like, which I, I don't mm-hmm. think necessarily comes across as much in the written book. But she's obviously, like, trying to defend her culture to Quone and dis- defend her decisions to Quone. But um, the idea that, like, she's kind of seeing an example of it go poorly in front of her, like, um, yeah, that's... Uh, I think, yeah, I think this conversation moves forward a lot further when you introduce Kieran into it a little bit later. Um Janelle and Kona are, are talking about very, like, extreme abstracts, mm-hmm. but they're still talking about, like, the, what the political ideal should be. And then when Kieran comes in and he hears about some of the arguments they've been having, his his response is kind of my response, is like, oh, so in Jurat, if you can't protect people, you're supposed to step down and give up your power in favor of someone else. And he's like, that is not how power works, and I definitely agree with that. Because yeah. Kieran has become a a pragmatist and both Conan and Janelle could learn something from that pragmatic attitude, which is it kind of doesn't matter what your culture says. And it kind of doesn't matter what your ideals say. If people are dying, maybe fix it later. And and Janelle herself is somebody who in her culture was technically asked to step down from power and has not. Yeah. Yeah. She's a hypocrite. Mm -hmm. And, but she's, she's not because it's unjust what's happening to her. Yeah. But she also, sh- you know, like, should be open to Kieran's point because, yeah, like, Oren should have stepped down. He's clearly, he shouldn't have power. He can't exert power over yeah. her, and so he should step down and back away. Yeah. He hasn't. I'm going to make a blanket statement right now. I feel like good characters are hypocrites. Like, I feel like the best characters are hypocrites. Like, that's I a good, that. I feel like that's a good character trait to have. Yeah. I feel like the the in that in that spot in that spot you can like just reading it and not listening to the audiobook you can tell like the the part that stands out to most is like explaining like where you can see Janelle's anger was when Cone goes Diedrich is a demon and she goes I'm a demon what's in a name like that is such a like snippy remark mm-hmm. like way to respond back like that that's where like just reading it, I could tell Janelle was anger. But I mean, it's there's sort of a bias there because I also listened to the audiobook. Yeah. Uh, it's in chapter 23 at the very beginning where Kieran says, um, so let me get this straight. Uh, you're saying that Jorat being a hero is seen, an a- a- seen as an act of conquest. It's, and then like they explain it just as Christina just did. And Kieran goes... Um, Kieran could believe anyone would be so naive, which is very <laughs> funny to me because pre time skip yeah. in the first book, Kieran was just as naive yeah. about Koros. So for Kieran to be like, 
I can't believe she's so naive. <laughs> really funny yeah. to me. Senere has some really good footnotes in these chapters where she's just like bagging on Janelle for trying to play the hero all the time. Oh, I want to talk about that. Uh, hold on. I, I wait, mean... wait, before we do that, can you say a little bit more about the best heroes or hypocrites? Do you mean it in, sen- in the sense that like... The best characters are hypocrites, oh, okay. not necessarily heroes. Like... You like the tension, or like, what do you like about the hypocrisy? Every I just feel like everybody in real life is a hypocrite in some way. So to me, making characters hypocrites makes them more real to me. Mm. Like it doesn't have to be like something as big as being a hypocrite about right. like politics. But like but nobody just, like, is a hundred percent consistent about everything in their life. Right. Right. And so Janelle not being one hundred percent and. Uh, we could probably comb through Kieran in the first book and see the places where he's a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like it just makes for good character traits for um, not to be 100% consistent all the time. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't It wasn't a challenge. I'm just curious. That's right. a good way to put it, but I think. On the opposite side, you can't make your character too inconsistent because then no one will like that. Like it's right, just not yeah. fun to read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but, a, it's uh, a fine line for sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Back to chapter nineteen. Uh so when they're having this conversation, they're in those apartments that each uh political position gets, like a count or a ban uh, a baron or a marcreve. So we're in the Janelle what would be Janelle's apartment. Yeah. When uh, Oris shows up and they hide in the closet, and here we learn not only that Oris is a, a piece of shit, but his father is also like we get even more that his father yeah. is not great because part of Oris' motivation for wanting n- not only to like conquer Janelle, but he in fact owes his dad a lot of money. And there's a high interest rate on that money that's getting higher and higher. So when Janelle comes here, and I wanted to bring this up because they get her mother's jewelry. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, there's precious metal chains, a car, a carved shell cameo, a jade brooch with matching hairpins, a carmelian pendant carved with a lion, a fire opal necklace, and a string of perfect dark pearls. I wonder what, like, if these are just, like, D&D loot, or if they have <laughs> plot significance that I don't remember. Like, I don't remember the jewelry coming up again, except for the so. fact that um, the place that Dorna goes to sell it is heavily guarded by Yeah, that's the true, Marquis. so they still have it all. Yeah. But the, uh, the pendant carved with a lion, I find... Uh, that stuck out to you? Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. and the fact that they say this jewelry belonged to Janelle's mother, who we later find out is... Um, not who she thinks. <laughs> not, yeah. not who she... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that. Yeah. But I don't remember if her secret mother is the same as her... The mother she grew up with. I think so. Is she? I, I think they're the same person, uh, but I'm remember. not sure. I don't remember. But, okay, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm we'll curious get, like, right now. We'll get, we'll get to that. Because <laughs> we'll it definitely there, yes. comes up. Yeah. I would, at some point, we, I will just say this, 
in in the 2022 hopes that I can manifest things. I don't believe in it, but let's just try. Um, that um, we can get Jen Lyons on to talk about this with us. And Josh, if you think that it is significant, I will argue that it is significant to Jen Lyons, and that is her own mother's jewelry. Mm, that's a good point. Because um, I, w- I would throw shit like that in there. Um, okay, yeah. Just to be irritating. But we could, yeah. it probably is just D&D loot, where she was like, <laughs> I need wealthy person things. Internet. I mean, I did yeah. I did love just the very quick little exchange where, you know, we, we have this description of this very valuable sounding jewelry, and Janelle immediately gives it to Dorna, and it's like, sell it. Yeah. And uh, and she's like, are you sure? She's like, I don't need jewelry to remember my mother. So that, that is actually like a sweet little exchange. It's it's powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like this chapter a lot. Um, you know, the the Cohen and Janelle conversation, the jewelry mm-hmm. part, Sir Orith showing up because he sucks and I love He sucks. A char- I love a character. I love a character. I love hating a character. It's really fun and like Jen Lyons is very good at like writing really rich, nuanced, complex characters. She's also really good at writing douchebags who you instantly yes. can just hate on and, like, don't have any redeeming qualities or uh, scenes as far as I remember. But again, maybe Orith will not be a dickbag in the end. I don't think so. But it is really nice sometimes just have somebody that you can just purely hate on. Yeah. yeah. Very and refreshing. the stakes are also low, which is kind of a weird relief it's kind of like, mm. when you hated Gadrith and Darzan, yeah. you're like, yeah, I hate child abuse. This yeah. one's just kind of <laughs> like, like murder. yeah, I hate this dickbag. Like, yeah. it's it's very clear from, like, the narrative tone that Janelle's never actually in danger from him. Like, she could rip yeah. him in half. So it's a lot yeah. easier to just casually hate on him, because it's like, it, well, you know, if it's worse like, came to worst, she would kill him. Like, it, yeah. there's, there's no threat right. of, like... Rape, murder, yeah. Mayhem, so, this this chapter also makes a plot connection that I totally didn't realize the first time. So, uh, the reason why Janelle was, you know, bringing criminals and getting the bounty on them is she needed money for to basically counteract Sir Orith because mm-hmm. Sir Or like in this chapter we find out. Sir Orth was also going for the jewelry because he owes a lot of in- money interest. And then uh, Coven Glass is involved with Sir Orth, who was the one that gave Janelle's grandfather the bad advice, money-wise, that made them in such debt. And then Relos Var shows up, and he's like, oh, I may have a solution to your money problem. And then Janelle is like, gets really pissed off because the one advantage she had was she could get money and like sell the jewelry and get money, and then she would have more money than Orith in order to solve her situation. Yeah, awful convenient that. Right, but yeah. then, then, no. So all this happens, you know. So Orith dismisses Coven Glass to clean the apartments, and then Coven Glass dismisses, like, goes to his new servant. Uh, I think she goes by the name of Serva in Siva. I think Siva. Yeah. And Servo would be really on the Servo would be hilarious. <laughs> I'm I'm getting mixed up with my D and D game because there's a dragon named Servo. <laughs> nice. Um, Does she wear a tiny maid uniform? Okay, sorry. <laughs> I haven't I haven't met her yet. He goes away, and then we find out it's Ninevis, and there's like this whole conversation. It's a very like, uh, 
like that meme of from It's Always Sunny, like of Mac and Charlie spotting each other across the room. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Where, yeah, Janelle's oh. in the closet and she yeah. sees Nivis and in the closet. Like, she she yeah. immediately stands up and is like, Nivis, what are you doing here? It's it's a little sitcommy this bit actually because there's also like one point where Orth goes into the closet but like doesn't look in it he just like opens it yeah. and grabs something and so he doesn't realize that they're hiding in there and then yeah on the one hand yeah I I think Jen Lyons also does a really great job of knowing when to play scenes for comedy absolutely or like, yes. or and when to play them for uh, drama yeah and also she's very good at like, balancing tension yeah and she's very good at like understanding that sometimes you just do roll a 20 on yourself yeah. <laughs> like sometimes i don't yeah. like when i go to grab something in my closet if i know where it is i'm not there could be a guy in there what yeah, the hell do i know mm. i hope to god there's not our apartment's very small he would have to pee very soon but like and, yeah <laughs> sometimes sometimes you roll a 20 i like what Nineveh says to janelle here because there's one thing we learned we've learned about janelle so far is that she's terrible at asking for help. She puts oh, everything yeah. on her shoulders, mm-hmm. and Nineveh's insistence that she's going to help Janelle here yeah. is great. I love Nineveh. She's, one of, she's like the she's yeah. the Tienso of this book, like, to me. Yes. Nineveh is great. Yes, she's fantastic. And now that her leg's all healed up, she's back to kicking, which is great. Yes. Oh, and then some. Damn. Yeah, she just kicks people right in the head. It's awesome. I had totally, I had totally forgotten all the details about her Maricori heritage and her particular mm. clan, but that was cool to... Yeah. So, the the other thing we find out when Nineveh shows up is that quite a lot of time has passed. Like, a good, like... Yeah. yeah. Um, at least a couple months by the sounds of it. Because she had the time, she waited in Barsini for, like, help to show up, then attached herself to Coven Glass, became a trusted servant, and came all the way back to Atrini, and her leg is healed. Although I think Cole mm-hmm. kind of set it up to heal well, but like still, like so, like it's it's a good while that it took them to get over to Atrini. Um, yeah. So because yeah, like she's fully healed and like back in action now. I do think that I remember what I was going to say. Um, going back to Josh's point about the hypocrisy, kind of a Jorat too is that anyone with it Janelle can't accept help if help if she wants mm. to be a stallion. Like though gender roles are very very rigid, I think that other people play a little bit looser with them. Like Dorna clearly doesn't yeah. give two shits. Yeah. They kind of need someone who's Marakori to step in and be like, "I'm going to help you," because Janelle mm-hmm. can then shrug at it and be like, "Well, she doesn't understand, so it's not me breaking my stallion like ways." Yeah. Yeah, Nineveh is a really good, like, almost go-between character because she's Maricori, but she's lived in Jorah forever and, like, had a Jorah, Jorati's husband and kid. So she understands both cultures really well. She knows exactly where she wants to fit into it, which is somewhat mm-hmm. outside of it. And so, but she, I think she also under, like, sympathizes with Cone a lot, like, as somebody who's learning this very specific, sometimes rigid culture. Mm-hmm. And so she has really make, made her choice to be like, all right, like, this, this, and this, like, yeah, is interesting. Like, I can go along with this all, but that doesn't mean I agree with it all. Yeah, they right. don't. They don't specify how much time it took, but yeah, it, her, her says daughter was Janelle's age when she died, so she's been there yeah. for a while. I oh, know. I meant oh, um, she, yeah, how long it took um, Janelle and oh, Party oh, yeah. to reach a Trini, because she just says. Yeah. 
um, we figured since you lot were on foot, the hike to Atrini would take you yeah. some time. And in the meantime, once the matter was cleared in uh, the Barsini, um, the gatekeeper just opened up and I teleported here and, you know, mm-hmm. we enacted our plan. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's at least been a few weeks, maybe yeah. up to a few months. <laughs> but what I found, I didn't kind of put this together the first time I read it, and it was good to be reminded. Janelle, uh, at one point, was like, Raylo's far got called away um, from Barsini to go buy Kieran yeah. from the sale. And yeah. just having that reinforced, I know it's come up before us, it's not new, but it just like, and she, the way that she said it was like, man, that was lucky, wasn't it? Yeah. I was like, Taja. <laughs> Taja, <laughs> Taja, you sneak. You sly Taja mix. is definitely my favorite of the, oh, of for the sure. Immortals. For sure. Although, I actually, I forgot how much I liked Corrin, too. Yeah. He does He's not great. give a fuck. Yeah, right? And he just wants, he just really wants to marry Nineveh. It's like, sire cool archery manovanic kids. I just love the idea that like the only one you pr- you practice your eugenics on is yourself. <laughs> it's just kind of like I'm gonna have the greatest kids. <laughs> so what does he say? So like our kids will conquer the world. If yeah. anybody came up to me with that line, immediately fifty percent interested. Like would not take very much convincing. It was like, please marry me, beautiful woman. Our children would conquer the world. And I was like, yeah. that is all I want. Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> and I love like the follow up bit in the next interstitial where I think it's uh, Kieran or somebody is like you know asking her about it. He's like, she's like, no, I'm not gonna like go off with this guy who has weird fantasies about oh, breeding with uh, the lesser races. I did have sex with him though. I'm not crazy. Oh yeah, she's like, I'm not getting pregnant for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also like when did they find the time like that's like something that i'm interested to look out for going forward (laughs) oh i know exactly when but we'll we'll okay we'll get there yeah it wasn't in this set of chapters yeah she says like that'd be very disappointing yeah no wonder she wouldn't want that yeah and she doesn't know that he's corrid until this telling in the the tavern and it's very oh, funny yeah. when she finds out. Oh, yeah, and then Janelle out. starts laughing. Yeah, and, and she's just she's like, damn it! It's like, you... Oh, yeah, she yeah. says, me, I mean, sure, I did have sex with him. Yeah. I'm not stupid. <laughs> oh, what is it, too? She's like, get yourself a Vane after a thousand years, you learn some things. Yeah, that's when Janelle starts <laughs> laughing, because he's yeah. not just a Vane. He's yeah. Like, yeah, he's even it's older. great. Oh, it's great. Very good at inserting moments of comedy and easing tension amidst like which is you know in the story itself is like a very tense uh moment and then you you know flash to this bar where everybody's like dunking on Nineveh for banging mithros i I also really like that um shit i lost it again fuck i've lost my goddamn brain i need to go back to work Nineveh, mithros no no, it's gone now. I'm okay. sorry. That's alright. Mm-hmm. But, but 20 is when we get into uh, the Maricori. The Maricori bandits, like, attack them, mm-hmm. and they notice that um, the clan names start to come up. Uh, the Lumites and mm-hmm. the Duraxon, and they know that they... Something about Nidavis's face 
mm-hmm. implies that she's a Duraxon. And we don't know what's bad about Duraxon yet. I th- yeah. It's something, no, to do no. with, it's something to do yeah. with children, we learn later on. I th- yeah. I'm pretty sure. Senere makes some comments about how... Uh, so, because uh, Nineveh, like, can't look at Janelle after she just, like, massacres all those bandits. And then Senere makes a comment about how the Derrickson have killed people in more creative ways. And then Mithros said something about, like, oh, she shoots arrows really well. She could be Derrickson. Which yeah. she is. Wait. Yeah. I forgot. I just have to bring this up because I hate him. Uh, I love the moment in the last chapter where Sir Orth is like, I'm the Count of Tolomar. And Relisvar is like, sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> sure, buddy. <laughs> like what he sa- actually says is, as long as Janelle is alive, you're not, and not married, you're not the Count of Tolomar, no yeah. matter what you say. But uh, what do you guys think of Janelle's berserker mode here? Like, I don't. I'm, it's really unclear to me why. Is it the demon part of her? I, I'm not I... really sure. Not sure, because I'm also, and like, Father Zajira should not be trusted, but like, I'm also not against his whole theory of like, you're 16. Yeah. Of course you're going to get kind of muddled up and angry at things. Right. Yeah. His explanation makes sense. I'm just not sure he's a Mm -hmm. um, trustworthy narrator. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But also like, it was an incredibly stressful day for her. It was a bad situation. I think they talk about it after. Like, what were you gonna do? Just get killed there? Like, and right, I think yeah. it was it was an opportunity for her to let loose. It was maybe not a great one. She definitely did some really terrifying things. But right. it's still well, cool. It was cool. It is. Cool. It was spooky. Talks about she like pressed, ripping pulled, people's trachea's out. Both and... triggers at the same time <laughs> and activated her like special mode. In the yeah, video yeah. Game. She went super sad. Yes, her bar, absolutely. Her bar was completely like the bar was yeah, like not full. Yeah, she did her limit full. break. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It was a uh, it was uh, crazy, honestly. Oh, and then so then there's the the follow up scene where she's got a crossbow bolt in her and Quone can't heal her. And so he has to hum- summon Father Zajira. And um, anyways, they, they have a conversation after about how she, she like resists healing. And Senere makes a really interesting footnote where she talks about, she says, yeah, Janelle is one of three people I know who can like store their talismans oh, inside yeah. of them. And she yeah. talks about how one is Relosvar himself and the other was Gadrith, who literally would just like sew them into his body yeah, because I, he's Gadrith and he's fucking creepy. But yeah, the idea that like Janelle has internal talismans? What? I love when the talismans come up again. Yes. I'm sorry, Christina. Yeah. I I love that they come up because I think the Witchfinders are terrifying and yeah. not utilized enough. And uh, I also wonder, like, is Janelle unique in that? Or is that is it just a really common demon trait and Janelle right? not has it? Yeah, is yeah. it so demon? Is, that, is it something else? Is, like, is she like she's, Is that why the she, demons are so hard to kill? Like, yeah. Is it something to do with her mother? Mm. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. Or like for this is it, chapter I just have in all capital letters because of how Cone uh how Cone um Gets Father Zajera to come there in all capital oh, like letters. The smoke bomb. Egg. 
egg, egg, egg. <laughs> I do yeah, like, so, like how egg. does that work? It's a good, it's a good detail. It's a magic big egg. There's no more, there's no explanation either. Egg bring daddy. Every book should have a magic egg. That's my. I'm gonna take that as a personal challenge. I like that. Yeah. Not egg e g g. It's trying to say egg e y g g. Egg. Oh, this chapter is also where we learn about um, the Jorty's tunics, which is um, mm. like a binder. I'm sorry, what? What? Yeah, a binder. Yeah, that was yeah. the word I was looking for. Uh, the Jorty's preferred full tunics, and those with bosoms tight laced. Uh, and those, yeah, those with bosoms tight laced, a reed strengthened bodice over their chest, and made cutting the fabric away difficult. And that's when Cohen is trying to, like, get to her body in order to heal yeah. her. Oh, and there's a great remark here. And this is the part where, like, Cohen is talking about the bathrooms. Like, I just wrote this line down because it, like, it, like, has a very is good emphasis. Jorties live in a city they did not build. Mm-hmm. I like it. Say yeah. more. Oh, and, what I find so interesting about this chapter is there was so, like, okay. First time you read this, did you think Father Zajero is Relishar? No. I no, did not. Not, not, not at all. But to now, in hindsight, it seems so obvious. So obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but fuck. I will say, of all the people, I have never once... I'm great at predicting plots, except when one person is another person. Okay, okay. Everything, like... Since Fight Club, it has been surprising me. And since <laughs> Fight Club, I've never picked up on it. It's like this specific blind spot for narrative. It's like, what? It blows my mind every time. <laughs> yeah, it definitely blew my mind here. It's, it's good, yeah. <laughs> like, here, here's the stuff that I wrote down that were relish far alarm bells. Uh, Zajera had a way of looking at people that channeled every parental disappointment ever the same <laughs> tears in a child's eyes. Seeing this satisfaction in Zajera's eyes hurt worse than a dagger's edge. And then uh, Father Zajera didn't seem surprised about um, like the center a and the stuff with the smoke. And then that, uh, yeah, that part I should have picked up on too. Mm. Father Zajera's expression shifted fast through several emotions, including anger, before settling on an unhappy concern. He stared long and hard at the rune when he's talking about the, the air right. rune mm-hmm. before sighing and leaning back in his chair as in, as in like, this is me talking, as in, damn you, Senere, you gave my shit away. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, yeah. Like, that was the look of anger in his face. Like, oh, you, right. you, you guys aren't supposed to have that. Mm-hmm. And like, these, these fucks were not supposed to survive, but you let yourself be seen. And then he explains it. He goes, um, what you have yeah. drawn is a symbolic an equivalent representation of Tenye, an object's true essence. And that blew, like, that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, like, obviously this is lost or unknown knowledge because they have that whole conversation right. earlier in the book about how, like, pictures don't have Tenye. And honestly, like, Father Zajira feeds Quone a lot of information here. Like, he tells him about the name of all things. Like, he didn't have to Title do drop, that. drop, name of all things. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so between this and a lot of the Jorati's political and social discussions, there's a lot of world building going on in yeah. these chapters. And there's a lot of 
characters physically moving around. Mm. Um, but the overall narrative um, is not getting very much closer to what yeah. this started out with in the beginning, which is, why is there a dragon? Yeah. Um, and why is it right outside? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah. I, I do think uh, the when his explanation about the the sigil being like the true essence I think that this is just my theory I don't know if they ever like confirm it I'm pretty sure they don't um that that is because they talk about you know the dimension the universe that the eight immortals originally came from being like techno technologically more advanced than this one I think that was a magic that Sort of like how in Lord of the Rings, magic is like getting worse and worse, and they mm-hmm. they talk the dwarves and elves talk about oh we've lost information and stuff that we used to know that this kind of magic more people used to know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder if the name of all things it's tied to a concept, and so I'm assuming the concept is something vague like knowledge or scholarship or something but i wonder if it wasn't also created just because someone somewhere needed to be able to ask these questions and get answers Mm. Uh, it just reminds me of all those thought exercises that they make scientists do but never artists where they're like if you could teach (laughs) it's like civilization has been destroyed what's the one thing you want to survive Mm. and like if you ask a biologist they're like wash your hands if you ask a physicist they're like you can deduce any principles um, if you ask a chemist, they're like, don't mix stuff in large <laughs> quantities until you mix them in small quantities. Um, but yeah, I wonder if the name of all things is just kind of some last ditch attempt to have knowledge accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like somebody throwing together an end of the world dictionary or encyclopedia. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just we don't really know. Kingstone Google. Yeah, we don't really know a lot about how the cornerstones were created. It's something to do with the dragons. Yeah, so we, we just know. know. Yeah, we know that they're we connected. They're, yeah. We don't really know how they we were know made that, or where they came from. And we know that the ritual was supposed to do something. Yeah. But its purposes got corrupted, and so its corrupt purpose, its actual purpose, and its intended purpose might all be different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just I just imagine when the ritual happened. Like in uh, in Dragon Ball, when you use all the balls to make a wish, after the afterwards they fly up into the air and then spread out across <laughs> the earth. That's how I imagine after the cornerstones are made. They just... The last uh, clue that Father Sigera was well as far is when um, Cone brings up that all of this is related to prophecies. And Relisvar's eyes go wide. He's like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, prophecies! You hit, you hit the button. You, you nailed it. You know exactly what. And uh, and then I love in the next chapter, Kieran is like, um, I wrote it down, so I'm just gonna read it. Um, yeah, sure. Look, I realize you both like this man a lot, but something about that story bothers me, though I can't put my finger on it. And then he snaps his fingers, and he's like, wait, I've got it, Cone. You never told Father Zajera that Senere was an escaped Dulturi slave. How did he know that? Yeah. And I was like... That's a really good catch. Good job, Kieran. Your assassin yeah. training, gold star. 
I and you know what? First time I read it, I still did not put it together that he. I was think at that Rolos point Far. I was maybe suspicious of him, but I didn't think it was Rolos Far. No, I didn't either. Yeah, I was definitely suspicious of him from the start, but I just thought he was his own character with his own right. motivations and other things. They described yeah. him as having a voice that would like gently help a thousand mm. babies fall yeah. asleep. And it's just kind of like, Ooh. well, in retrospect, that's very threatening. But like, at the moment, I was like, no, I love him. Nice, yes. <laughs> I want him to pet my hair and tell me it's going to be okay. Right. Because we're so used to the Dumbledore and Gandalf yeah. uh, mentality. Yeah. We really want an old dude to come in and be like, you know what? It's fine now. It's going to be okay. So, 11-22, where that thing that Kieran just said comes up. Uh, this is where Janelle's trying to beat herself up about killing all those people. And Senere has a note of, like, you need to get over yourself. Yeah. <laughs> and I think somebody else says to her, uh, oh, it is Senere. My personal rule of thumb, when people are shooting you with crossbows, they mean to kill you. But then I'm pedantic that way. That's literally <laughs> the note. I love Senere. She talks so much shit to Janelle in these chapters. It's great. But this is also the chapter we get the emotional weight of what of Father Zajera means mm-hmm. to Janelle. Like, I, I, like, dwelled on it a little bit because later, like, we don't, she doesn't get the time to really, there is, like, sort of, like, a grieving process when you find out someone you cared about is not the person you think they are. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I have a note here of, like, when Janelle finds out that this man that she cares because she hugs him right before yeah. they like leave, and I'm like, when she finds out Rallo's far is Father Sujera, it's going to be devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we very rarely see Janelle be vulnerable, but she's very vulnerable with Sujera. Yeah, and again, it's it's one of those situations. I'm going to have to read this with an eye to it, but like, I think Janelle gets along well with people who are not Jorates because she doesn't have to negotiate the interactions like Father Zajera she owes him her she owes him Itara because he's so much more powerful but he's also a foreigner so it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. like acknowledgement and responsibility and like all this stuff she can just like to spend time with him and like She's clearly oh, yeah. got a thing for Kieran, who is not Jorty's at all. Right. He's got so many hang-ups. And Terraith. Yeah, Terraith. Yeah. He's got fewer hang-ups, though. I-, I also love this chapter, because he has this whole conversation with Father Zajera, where he tries to, like, break down the flaws in her logic, in, like, her eagerness to stop demons, and everyone causing demons. She has to remember the what you protect is what you rule. Mm-hmm. And this is where we start to, like, she is insistent on going to Duke Chun and explaining everything that's going on. And she thinks it'll, that'll be, oh, I did the right thing. That'll be everything. And he's trying to, Father Zajera here is trying to explain, that's not going to work out the way you think it's going to work out. And which is a little bit foreshadowing because guess what? It doesn't. It doesn't work out. <laughs> Turns out Duke Chun is not great either. He's kind of, he seems like, I don't know what your guys' opinion on him is, but he seems kind of an idiot to me. Or just like so unconcerned 
that he comes off as an idiot. Yeah, I he's, think that's... He's like, we haven't gotten there yet, but yeah. He's got like the opposite of himbo energy. Like, what is an evil himbo? Is <laughs> it's just a dumbass, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Being forced to accept a lot of hard things and compromises is... Um... Yeah, Janelle, Janelle thinks that she can still do all this without compromising. Um, mm-hmm. Right. And uh, she may she may not be able to. Yeah. And this is where we see uh, Relis Far sort of enacting his plans. Our our perception is that Relis Var is against the four Hell Warriors, but in reality, what it is is that he would prefer the Hell Warriors be on his side mm-hmm. in order to enact the prophecies that he wants. And so he has this whole thing of. Mark my words before this is done, you'll lead an army across Jorad again. Mm-hmm. And then Janelle responds, like, no, like, shocked, like, no, I don't want that. And then this is when I think we don't get his internal dialogue, but Relisvar is like, oh, these these people are not going to be on my side. Like, I think this is when he realizes it. Maybe. I think maybe he also thinks that she's still pretty naive. Yeah, she's being a sweet summer child. Yeah, because I think reading this the first time, it seems like Janelle is right, but I think Relisvar is doing that thing where he's telling her the truth so blatantly that it sounds like a lie, that it sounds right. like he's testing her like she claims, but he's probably not. He's probably just like, no, your destiny is to lead a bunch of armies, and she's like, well, I would never be that arrogant. Spoiler, yeah, you would, but... Um. <laughs> I think Senere even says something to that effect in the footnotes at that point something like that yeah yeah well and it's interesting because then in, in the next interstitial kieran sort of has this inner monologue about the hell warriors and their place and he's like well i don't want to lead an army across the world but maybe janelle would but janelle could yeah yeah i like how it's a group project that no one wants to do <laughs> being, right. being yeah. the chosen oh. one <laughs> and this is the chapter that should have been the gift biggest giveaway to me that uh, Zajera was Relos far. He can open gates like yeah, right. super easily. Yeah, he's very powerful. And I'm like, I'm like kicking myself. Like, how did I not put it together? Because yeah, I love. Yeah, but so can um, Thervishar. I think we yeah, know that. That's true. Oh, that's true. Yeah, and he's the head of some mystical order of smart people. Yeah. So, um, I wouldn't kick yourself over that one. I mean, you can I'm... if you want, but. And this is the chapter where we learn about the um, festival of the turning leaves. Cohen finds out that um, Dorna used to be a man. And he's like, how is that possible? And Janelle explains the festival of the turning leaves. They hold it every year. And Galava grants the supplicants prayers. It's the reason... Oh, and it's the reason why Dorna wasn't Mm -hmm. Yeah, at, at the, the Hell March. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and the interesting thing, and this is part of Cone's naivete, is that Janelle asks, "Don't you do that in core?" And Brother Cone goes, "No, we don't do it at all, ever." <laughs> and Janelle goes, "Really? That's odd." And yeah, like core sucks, but I don't believe him. I don't think I think it happens there too. And Cone is just so sheltered that he doesn't. Maybe yeah. Yeah, that's another possibility. It's also possible that, like, they would have to go to Jorat to do it. Yeah. Um, right. uh, People who are in that, the know might know. 
Yeah. But the, the way he says it implies that people from Koros don't do that. I'm like, yeah. there's trans people there. Just give me a break. Home. Oh, yeah, for sure. Where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, I just wonder. So the gods are, there's never like a full hierarchy explanation of the gods and the eight and where they fit. And there are a lot of competing opinions about exactly what the eight are and how they function. And so I'm not totally clear on whether the Galava of Jarat does the same things as she does in Quar or Maricor or whatever okay, because okay, okay, okay. it's also possible that like doesn't happen or it happens differently I don't know so yeah. interesting and this, this is where we get Ninevis showing off her her arrow yeah. skills yeah she like she like shoots her bow through like an open gate yeah and dead eyes the bullseye. Yeah. And then Mithros is like, can you do it on a horse? And then she does it <laughs> on a horse. Yeah. <laughs> Those are always my favorite moments when, when you think someone's going to be mad and they're like, do that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was awesome. I really love the bit where, um, where Mithros recognizes Dorna. It's really sweet. Like first right. A that he recognizes her in the new body and then he's just like, oh, amazing. And he like picks her up and twirls her around. And and then he's like, you got old. <laughs> She's like, you yeah. idiot. It's been 30 years. Humans age. They've definitely, they definitely had a thing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I love that Mythos has the nerve to be like, because this is when they go to the Temple of Korad. And he's like, I'm allowed to do whatever I want in the Temple of Korad. <laughs> and then... And then and it's like, it's no big deal. And everyone behind him is like, are you sure? And then we find out why. Yeah. He, he's Corrid. Yeah. I love that she took, I don't know if this is what actually happened, but it sounds like Jen Lyons took the literal phrase, the house of God, and was like, <laughs> yeah. I'll go with that. Actually. Yeah. yeah. You guys have anything else for 23? That's it for me. No, yeah. So, 24, that's when we get, you know, uh, Nineveh explaining she slept with uh, Mithros. <laughs> and then, um, one thing I did find really interesting in this chapter, Janelle goes into how Korad, people pray to Korad for the tournaments. She says, some might say Taja, goddess of luck, would be more appropriate in such contests. But in Jorat, we don't believe tournaments are won by luck. You know, that they're won by skill. Thus, it is the custom to look to Kored as the patron of challenge, conflict, and contests. And Kored was uh, Emperor Kandor's patron god. So mm. the Jortees have a, like, oh, we like Kored because Kandor liked Kored. And Kandor was basically the savior of the Jortees. Mm -hmm. I, I like the... Like, Korat, a lot of gods of wars in book tend to be one-dimensional. Very mm. aggressive war, and that's it. But I like that it extends to, in this book, challenge, conflict, contest. Yeah. It's ba like, basically like a, war, a god of competition. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also that he kind of gets treated like a goofy uncle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very... um. Very destruction from the endless vibes. Um, I don't know that the Sandman comics. Oh, you know what? I think you've talked about this before too. Did I? Yeah, uh, I think you did. There you go. 
Oh, well. Um, it was like a year ago. So. Well, there's very little that's original, either mm. in society or my personality specifically. <laughs> so. Yeah. But I, yeah, and I like him, and I, I just wonder if they're, like, among the eight... He doesn't take Thane very seriously, and mm-hmm. Thane takes herself very seriously, yeah. and I just, like, I love the family dynamic, because it's also kind of, like, I always found it funny that the patron of the Amazons, the great, like, female warriors, wasn't Athena. It was Ares, mm-hmm. the kind of, like, doofy god of war who always fucked up or was yeah. way too violent. And, like, there are other reasons for that, but... It, it has always been interesting to me if there was some kind of competition. I was like, haha, I got the Jorati's Taya. Thanks, Taja. <laughs> Take that. Probably, honestly. If there's one thing that we've learned about the gods in these books is that they are very human. And petty. Yeah. So petty. Yeah. Are, are Korin and Thane literally related? I'm trying to find I don't find think the, so. Okay, I'm so. To find the part, but I think he might refer to Tarath as. Nephew, uh, grandson, and I think it's because grandson. because Tarendel is Korad's. Tarendel's body is Korad's right, kid. Right, right. Yeah. So genetically, yeah. Yeah. The joke is that, like, well, he, like he came out of my body. Yeah. <laughs> Technically, and then yeah, Janelle says something like, "Technically, either he is or he isn't," and he's like, "Ah, don't worry about it." Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get into yeah. it either. Thanks, Corinne. Yeah. But I love the conversation that they have together about the spear and Thane. And yeah, and I, I mean, I, I said this before, but yeah, he's basically like, do not do that. Thane mm-hmm. has no understanding really of death and what death means to people like you. If you do this, you will be killed or geished or but one swiftly followed by the other. Like, what is to stop Relosvar from gauging you? And what you would have to do f- to prove your loyalty to him would ruin you forever. Oh, and I, I love that they're playing like this chess strategy kind mm-hmm. of game. And I wrote in my notes, Janelle, like, she's like, oh, he's going to assume that I'm going to pick Kandor. So instead, I'm going to pick Sulis. Yeah. And I wrote in capital letters, foreshadowing! <laughs> yeah. There was also a nice touch where she's so distracted that she forgets to start playing, which is yeah. nice. Kind of on the nose. Um, yeah. I, I think, yeah. This is a good example of why middle books, I think, and middle parts of books sometimes feel different yeah um i don't like i'm not trying to say that it's slaggy or anything it's it's not slow but it yeah. there is necessary information that you need to have and yeah. you can't f- hurry it there's um, a lot of build-up happening yeah. here yeah so very very different feel from the beginning um mm-hmm. but good i like it i definitely uh, want to live in a tree it sounds pretty good. I don't have a horse or need a horse, so I don't either. You know, I would live somewhere with nice hot pools and stuff. Giant waterfall. Yeah. Just nice big park. Imagine having a bad breakup and being like, "Listen, just meet me by the waterfall. You never have to think <laughs> about it's your called again." Demon Falls. <laughs> it's called constructive solutions to problems. Literally. Any any final thoughts on the chapter? 
Just that this is where we find out that Markreev used to be a female. And then, because he has that, um, if the Markreev had chosen to become male, that was his right too, but I wish to remain female, whereas the Markreev seemed to think that I could only be a stallion if my sex and gender match. Suddenly, I understood where Orth had acquired his vile opinions. So yeah, we see how the son uh, became, you know, got the yeah. bad ideas from the father. Yeah. I do have one other thing to talk about, but now I'm trying to find it because I apparently didn't put it in my notes. It was something about, it was a center thing where she talks about heroics and she was talking about how Janelle... Oh, yeah. It's it's something about, like, where she's like, uh, you know, yeah, like, Senere is making a comment about how heroes just have to stop the bad guy. Why? Because he's bad and I don't like him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, she, it sounds it sounds like a good point. The problem is, mm-hmm. is that Senere and Melisvar are killing lots of people. Yeah. Lots of people. Like, uh, like, the first time I read it, I'm like, Senere kind of has a point, and then yeah. I remembered that they're literally, like, like freezing hun- people yeah. and then telling, turning them into possessed demons. Hundreds, and, if not thousands, already. And then, like, what we know about um, what happens to the souls of people that in the afterlife. Right, like, yes. They, like, might need to recover, and then demons, you know, eat them. Yeah, and I think it's... She also has a footnote where she's like, if there had been any other way, um, yeah. like she's when they're talking about Barsian and the the atrocities that have been continuing, she genuinely doesn't believe that there's any other alternative, and that's why she's defensive about heroics because she's like, you don't understand the sacrifices that are necessary, um, and this is an important part of her character development. This is where she's starting from, and um, anyone anyone who hasn't read any further, it's just important to keep in mind that no character in this series is static. Except Darzan, who always sucks. Yeah. And Butterbelly, who's always great. And dead. True. Maybe. <laughs> Butterbelly lives. Yeah. Um, and maybe Relis Var, and maybe that's one of his character flaws, although mm. we haven't we haven't seen the end of the series. Oh, and uh, I, there's a great note at the end of these chapters that um, that's really funny, where Senere brings up that all the gods that um, Janelle has interacted with at one point is like, oh, I will give you a boon. And Janelle asks for a boon and be like, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a different boon, just not that one. Yeah. I also like Senere's irritation with the name of all things. Um, she's yes. like, you have to be really specific. She's like, where's Janelle? He's like, at the corner of X and Y. She's like, great, where's that? And the name of all things is like, where's what? Yeah. And it's like, in the city of Atrini. Where's that? In Jorat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like a a very unspecific, like, Microsoft clippy. Like, you look like you're trying to find Janelle Theranon. Can I help you with that? <laughs> Even less helpful than Clippy, because sometimes Clippy was like, it looks like you're trying to write a resume. It's like, I am. You're not going to help, but you, I am. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also Clippy won't, like, starve you to death accidentally. <laughs> or take over your brain. Probably. Yeah. 
Did you know that his name was never Clippy? We just all called him that? Yeah. His name is Clippet. Well, no, it's not. You just, you just <laughs> blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Microsoft, his oh name is Clippet. Are you, I can't be, what? Yeah. His name's not Clippy? That's no. unfortunate. Because that's not what I'm going to call him. No, that's the thing. Why bother? Because if you say Clippet, no one knows what you're talking about. Nope. It sounds like a an off-brand uh, bop it. <laughs> it's like a shittier yeah. import. His one function. The name of all things is basically a Douglas, Douglas Adams book, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the fantasy yeah. hitchhiker's guide. Yeah. It's like, you have all the answers, but you don't know what the question is. Yeah. It says, don't panic, right on the side of the little inkblot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I like that it continues to come up as if Jen Lyons is very defensive um, about... Because you kind of... You need to impose limitations on powered objects like that, especially ones that yeah. give you mm-hmm. plot details. Right. Um, so Senere is extremely defensive throughout every book in which she appears, in which they're like, why didn't you know that? It's like, how would I know to ask that question? Yeah. Uh, so it, I, I think it's a pretty great uh, caveat to have to answer. Yeah. Is like, you can right. ask the name of all things, like what Volkaroth is, but it'll take you 18 years to write it all down, and yeah, you have to know to ask. Janelle says to Korad uh, slash Mythros, oh, and that's another thing I want to point out. I love that in this part, Janelle, uh, Mythros does something that makes Janelle say Korad question mark, and then she questions herself on, like, on, on the way downstairs. And then she questions her questioning of herself and be like, oh, he could be Corrad. Uh, it's just like a little, it's just, it doesn't have any like importance. It's just, I thought it was fun. But I found the note. She's talking to Mithros and, and it's like, without Iron Arc, it'll be harder for him to, and then that's when Janelle realizes she doesn't actually know Valsavar's plan, do whatever he's doing. And then Senere says in the notes, ah, the mindset of the so-called destined hero. We need to stop so-and-so. Why? Because he's, he's, I mean, he's a bad guy. Why? Because I don't like him. That's why. Uh, save me from fools and would-be heroes. And, and that's when I was like, that sounds good and it's funny, but you still kill a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, the, you always have to it. keep in mind. Mass murderer. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like Janelle is agonizing over having killed nine people, six people, that we're going to kill them in an alley, and Senere is over here like, yeah, I mean, I'm murdered. But on the on the other hand, I find it potentially intentionally uncomfortable that I'm like, yeah, you killed nine people, who cares? Like, I definitely yeah. am more Senere, and that is not a good thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not a great mindset to be in. Yeah, so yeah. I might uh, I might have a little bit of uh, who cares? She killed a lot a lot of people. She's funny. Yeah, I mean. You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Patton Oswalt, for example, has killed so many people. We just <laughs> yeah, notorious dude. murderer Patton Oswalt. Yeah, or like uh, Andy Samberg. His body counts in the triple digits. <laughs> oh, Sorry, man. please don't sue me. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> But that's all I have for Same. 17 yeah. through 24. Yeah. Yeah, you had a lot more than I did. 
I think these are good character chapters rather than plot chapters. It's, you can definitely feel the roller coaster ratcheting up. Mm-hmm. It's going click, click, click. Yeah, yeah. Lots of character stuff. Lots of like Janelle stuff. We're we're getting we're getting to plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are like uh, Terathen, uh Kieran on the beach of yes the island yes that I've already forgotten the name uh, in, of in Istana. Mm-hmm. Oh, one other th- I just had one other note. Something that I only realized that seems probably obvious to you too. Uh Janelle like remarks about like um knowing certain things in um you know the manuscript of the first one. And I always thought, Oh, um how did they read it so fast? And I never put it together. Thurishar wrote the manuscript in uh, Shadrach Gore. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. how it got out so fast. Yeah. He, um, immediately after the end of book one, he goes to Shadrach Gore, writes the manuscript, gives it to Queen Tienso, and then that's how it spreads so quickly. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Sarah has together. got it. Yeah, he and he didn't edit it, um, which is... <laughs> Senere comments on that several times where she's like, I can't believe you didn't edit this. Like you've given your enemy so much information, (laughs) but it's also like clearly Jen Lyons being like, ah, (laughs) her editing process. (laughs) Um, Well, and actually I think the books are edited fine. This is not my criticism, but it's definitely like a nice author joke. That reminds me, these chapters are where we find out that talent is still alive. Because in at a, the head of every chapter, you know, it's uh, two days after the Hell March started or two days after blah, blah, blah. And the heading for one of these chapters is three days after the Mimic Talon escaped her imprisonment. That's how we know that wow. Talon is still alive. I just realized I think I skipped all of those re- in reading these chapters. I didn't read a single one because <laughs> I like I already knew this. They're, they're mostly sarcastic, but then you get weird little tidbits like that. Like there's another one that says... Uh, two days after two women became the de facto heads of House Demon. I was like, well, who is that? She definitely, this is like Harry Potter levels of planning ahead. So, mm. which mm. I understand other books do that better, but that is my gold standard. It's, it's an easy reference. Yeah. When I read it. So, yeah. Uh, so what's everyone else reading? Stuff? I have like four chapters left in the Jasmine Throne. So I'll probably bang that out actually right after this. I think I'm going to jump in the bath and and read and uh other than that i have a few bits and bobs here but i'm i'm going through uh the the spring reading list to kind of pick out what i want to do next so yeah josh steph made a tweet i think two days ago about the lord of the rings movies so there was a new anniversary edition of the lord of the rings that came out like two months ago that i have not opened yet but bought because i bought every edition of the lord of the rings that I'm cracking open and nice. just starting. Nice. And I've read it so many times that, like, you ever read something so much that when you reread it, you can, like, breeze through it yep. pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. That I've reached that point with Lord of the Rings. I'm probably only going to read The Fellowship, because then, you know, the books of 2022 will start to, right like, pile, come up. Cascade yeah. over our heads. Yeah. Yeah. But they're a lot. Uh, but, yeah, that's what I'm reading right now. Nice. What about you, Christina? Um, I am reading The Book of Night, which... Steph, I feel like Holly Black is up your alley. Have you read her before? I don't think so. 
I feel like you would really like Ollie Black because she mostly does um, fairy stories. So like British fae fairy stories, but they're really, they have some very dark elements to them. And they also feature characters who are like very careworn by the world. Like, I don't know why I think that this is specifically up your alley. I feel like I'm (laughs) insulting you now for some reason. I just feel like you would really enjoy the... Josh, you probably enjoy it too, but for some reason, like, there is enough romance in it that I feel like it resonates with the stuff slash T. Kingfisher slash Jasmine Throne part of it. Um, like, it's... Would you compare it to um, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell? No. Then I would probably like it. I, <laughs> I, uh, we have a friend, uh, Jack. Jack, I'm sorry. I hate that book so much. <laughs> it's a specific I know taste. you love that book, but I, I hate it so much if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. It's not set in Britain. It's set in America. It just features that specific, like, highly okay. British and Irish fae. Like, it's not just fairies writ large. It's like, iron right. hurts them. They have to tell the truth. Like, all the rules apply. But this, like, sexy. Yeah. Um, Put on my list. So I'm re- but her, this is her first book for adults and it's all about shadow magic so i really like it so far it's really good yeah all right um well you can find me online at oladdy girl on twitter and obviously on geeklyinc.com uh josh you can follow me at four or five wits and on on twitter and i said this before on twitch definitely a goal for 2022 I got a ring light for Christmas. Ooh. I got a green screen for Christmas. Whoa, so now, dang. like, yes. I have to use them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll hold you to that. Yeah. And there's a lot of, like, games that I have not finished playing. So I'll probably, you know, do that on Twitch. And you can read my reviews on geeklyinc.com in the reading section. Click the thing that says reading section. <laughs> what about you, Steph? You can also find me in the reading section at geeklyinc.com and at Steph yes. Kingston, wherever internet is sold. One of us. One yeah. of us. <laughs> sorry, not sorry that That's, now you have yeah. a bunch of books to read. It's, it's a good problem to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it genuinely becomes a problem, you can just stop. So. Yeah. Not a lot of pressure, hopefully. Yeah. All right. Um, that cool. is it. Thanks for listening. Keep reading. Um, and Bye. stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to No Page Unturned, part of the Geekly Inc. podcast family. If you like the show, please show us some love with a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Page Podcast. The show is edited by me, Steph Kingston. Our amazing theme music is by Bad Sparrow, and you can check them out at Bad Sparrow Music. And our cover art is by Chango Chimango, who you can check out on Instagram and Twitter at Chango Chimango.